Benvenuti alla seconda puntata di Debit Bet. Io sono il vostro conduttore Davide Varni e sono qui per introdurvi l'intervista di oggi che faremo a Leonard, responsabile della comunità di Bitcoin di Hong Kong. Leonard è un individuo fantastico che ho conosciuto durante una sua trasferta a Milano ed è stato veramente una fucina di uh, idee, opinioni, consigli su come si gestisce un mondo complicato e davvero senza alcun corrispettivo simile. Quindi vi lascio all'intervista, se avete idee, spunti, opinioni sulla prima puntata su questa visitate www.debitbet.eu o la pagina Twitter dello stesso nome. E ora andiamo con l'intervista. Hello Leonard and thanks for agreeing with this interview. Hi. How are you? How are you? Very well, thanks. So, Leonard, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm um, very engaged every vlog. Wow. And uh, tell us, uh, when you discover Bitcoin? I was studying in Vienna at the time and I was researching free banking theory. Um, so I was trying to figure out how a bank without a central bank. And um, there are lots of um, old trades around there from the Austrian economics. But in that process, I stumbled upon it and I realized that they're much more elegant, especially when it comes to putting it into practice. It looks like an amazing experiment where we don't actually go around and cut the world and convince the government try out to do it ourselves, migrate step by step. How did you feel, you know, the first time you decide to buy and try Bitcoin? So it took me, after I learned about Bitcoin, um, it took me about a year before I was on some. Uh, because at first I tried to uh, sign up with uh, Weird and I, oh. I couldn't figure out how to send the money and I didn't really want through their process anyway. Um, and I also couldn't find anybody nearby who would try to sell me some. So I actually gave up um, at first. And only after another year, um, when I yeah, got my first paycheck and all that, I finally felt I should go through with this. I should buy some. Um, and at first, yeah, I was, I was afraid. I was afraid of, afraid of my computer, like my Bitcoin key crashing. Um, afraid of forgetting passwords, of being hacked. Um, so much that I actually, as soon as I was signed, I put them right back. Um, they sent me this thought it was um, and a much easier way to keep my funds safe. Um, and then it took me another... Few months really make my first Bitcoin transaction in the sense that I would give money for um, and thing in return. Um, and that's then, yeah, it's very, very liberal. And uh, what's your favorite element in the Bitcoin ecosystem? Like the things you like more? So, in a general sense, I think what I like most is that it's, uh, it's enter the Bitcoin and we enter this entire universe by choice. Um, and everything is a free choice, very little uh, coercion and That makes it that makes it very different from sort of the status quo. Forced to use certain things that we don't even like and that even make sense. But with Bitcoin, you can you can, first of all use freely whether you want to participate. You make each transaction fee that you pay, product that you buy is a very conscious choice. Um, very every service that you um, that's I think what, what differentiates itself the most uh, for me. And that's also what I like the most. And that's what I think it's it's most. Um, the most amazing characteristic and if you look into the future um, Bitcoin is going to enable competition on so many different tiny little things and finance and payments where right now competition is not possible because there are certain bottlenecks 
bottlenecks like the system or um, the Visa MasterCard duopoly where everything has to go through and then everything has to comply with their um, fee models or their, or their idea of how to run a business. And that's not going to happen with Bitcoin because it makes Bitcoin also a little bit more complicated. Imagine explain to somebody how to accept PayPal, right? It's relative PayPal, you sign up. Um, enter it into your, you incorporate it into your website, you withdraw a PayPal account from your, uh, to your bank account, that's the entire cycle. And with Bitcoin, you have so many different options. You choose to put it into your own wallet. Uh, do you use a, a wallet service like blockchain.info? Or do you use a payment provider? Which payment provider you use? How do you cash out, right? Do you find some of the streets to, to sell it to um, sell it on exchange? Or there's like a million different possibilities to make it very complicated to use Bitcoin because it's overwhelmed with the amount of that you have. And at the same time, this is a possibility that's gonna like make because there's something in it for everybody, and everybody can. And if you don't like it, then make your own. Great. So these were your favorite element, and there is something you'd like to maybe change or improve. Something you think it's not ready yet. Something you like a little bit less than the other elements. Um, I think for Bitcoin to get popular and successful. Um, a bit more services that um, don't rely on the banking infrastructure, that don't rely on the credit card, and that still um, give Bitcoin more usefulness, right? So we need more services that are easily available globally, that are easy to sign up for, um, that don't need to go through a lot of regulation and compliance. Um, ironically, right now, Bitcoin is useful in places where Bitcoin is less needed. If you are in the United States and Europe, it's very easy to buy and sell Bitcoin. It's very easy to make the payment, uh, convert the money and put it into your account. But that's not really where Bitcoin shines the most. There are still far too um, for the underbanked. Right now, if you need a bank account, and that's not really supposed to be like that, right? Yeah, I'm thinking about remittances, services like yeah, that. You know, um, m- most of the countries you could... Uh, they could need Bitcoin is the one you have less support and less banking. Yeah, um, and those are places where right now you don't have a lot of options for how to buy Bitcoin, have a lot of options to sell them. Um, to, we need to develop them. One more thing about you and your story. Uh, any more thought about uh, MTGOX? Because you were talking about it before and, uh, you know, it's still, uh, it's still uh, quite a topic in the... It's, we should we should spin the story around and use it as a way to mean how rich Bitcoin. Um, if you think about Bitcoin um, and Mt. Gox, like a dominant actor, incredible how dominant eight of the market share. Um, yeah. It had that's where all the funds were and it was. Mt. Gox, Mt. Gox, off the face of the earth, this money. Bitcoin would not t- take a hit, but Bitcoin still exists. So as and compare that to banking, we have a very fragile. The bank review actors are one actor, the entire sort of everything. It's like some kind of domino. Um, and that's how we of how Bitcoin ecosystem has been from the very start. That it could just uh, survive, gone from one day to another. So, Leonard, would you like to tell us uh, what you uh, do in Hong Kong to spread Bitcoin knowledge through people and companies? So, first of all, about the Hong Kong, I think it's a very um, diverse community. It's very international. It has backgrounds, whether programmers or uh, bankers or merchant traders or logistics. very exciting to see how everybody has their their angle. Everybody has their own politics and their own interests. And somehow, Bitcoin um, for for the industry. Now, the other thing, Hong Kong. So Hong Kong's banking is a bit of a, a little bit schizophrenic. Um, it prides itself in being very well developed, one of the 
relatively underbanked um, compared to Europe. And then you have a few countries who are, well, very, very poor banks, um, very lower end of a global um, And that puts together a fascinating way to leverage their position in Hong Kong because they can have access to banking at the same time provide those around them who are completely unbanked. Um, and then you have a system um, that is very different taxation system that is so incredibly it's like a, 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 a dream with no tax, flat percent on tax on corporations and um, and all that seems to work very well in favor of companies and in favor of it if it weren't for the banks. Um, and when I said Hong Kong, I still want access to banking to connect it to a little bit um, of a dream uh, because right now the banking the un- Wow, it seems really yeah. an interesting place to live uh, to live in about all the tax system and everything else i would say in place um, it's also an amazing place to be in at less leader bank oh. but if you're one of those that bring a product to the world that doesn't require a bank um that's pretty much the great so uh when you meet at the bitcoin association uh, would you like to tell us what you do usually who um who attends or uh yeah and what you do when you attend uh, if you do something particular um... um so regular meetings are very casual i think they kind of resemble um global bitcoin meetups that it were um we had this summer a very interesting lecture series so we partnered up with um partner Kuzbark to deliver five weeks of series of, of lectures and workshops um and panel discussion explain bitcoin explain certain parts of bitcoin um show how uh, a great event that we do regularly is called the plug and pay where charge uh, six US dollars of entrance and then tell everybody to, to download their apps there to troubleshoot certain things explain when there are issues um, but then we refund this entrance yet and um, people can then buy drinks with Bitcoin so everybody in that one hour one and a half hour um, through the, the how to set up a wallet get Bitcoins and how to spend it and that creates pretty great experience uh, for something that if you listen to an introduction to Bitcoin it's very complicated theoretical suddenly if you have some of your phones spend them and it also took a few seconds that's incredibly that that impresses because that's not been signing up for some we had a hackathon in May um, there's also um, always a few conferences that we then uh, partner up with um, the inside Bitcoin's conference maybe there's a blockchain workshop in October um, all that from all of Bitcoin and yeah we then we then help the corporations reach out to the local uh, find their new your partner wow uh, you know I spend most of my time trying to teach people about Bitcoin but it's not usually so easy uh, what's the biggest challenge you find when somebody comes to your organization and ask you they need they want to learn about Bitcoin uh, how do you teach them the most uh, peculiar part of Bitcoin? You I only most most of the inquiries that we get are very. So we we talk at um, conferences about Bitcoin, for example, the Asian Bankers Summit. We talk about, for example, to a strategy group of the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, uh, or we talk to some banks or some law firms. We give just about Bitcoin and how it works, and that's all. That usually works very well. Um, of course, it's, it's difficult to really measure to what extent people are understanding what we say, um, and to what extent people are asked, to what extent we can lighten up the fascination subject. Real trouble that we have right now, we haven't really found of knowing what to say, is when people 
come and want to talk about blockchain technology, but refuse about Bitcoin. Um, that's where I find out um, how I'm really how I'm really bring the point that you can't talk about the one thing without talking to people. There's still quite a few in Hong Kong, um, and that's true for the for the government related like organizations like Invest HK and Start Me Up HK. They they kind of see the potential of this technology because they see oh now. So, uh, one more thing. We live in interesting times. There are lots of, oh, yes. yeah. There are lots of news in the Bitcoin world. I'm, th I'm thinking about Nixt. I'm thinking about Ethereum and uh, lots of other stuff. What do you think about the future of uh, cryptocurrency? Um, so one, I'm quite convinced there will be one major, uh, blockchain. Um, I think the gravity draw, the network effect of a blockchain that has value is very, very, um, and I don't think that many of the altcoins will survive, um, as anything other than grounds or like places of experimentation. Um, and that's going to be a big, um, tension between certain, certain coins, um, especially certain projects like Ethereum and Coin, which are theoretically very, um, interesting blockchains with very amazing possibilities. Um, it's going to be see how they, how they can use Bitcoin. And of course, for Ethereum, for example, um, they're right now doing relatively well. Um, but maybe we find a future as side chains or as some other kind of, um, pegs, or maybe they're even going to take the, that's relatively, but that's my prediction. One major blockchain is the network effects. Um, well. Thank you very much, Leonard. It was a really insightful and interesting chit chat we had. And uh, uh, would you like to tell us where my listeners can find you if you have uh, any? You can find me on on um, or you can find like the contact on Linegrass. Wow! So thank you very much and have a nice day. Thank you. A differenza della prima intervista, qui ci siamo concentrati molto di più sul core del podcast e del sito, quindi Bitcoin e le criptovalute. Bitcoin perché diciamo la prima che ha queste particolari caratteristiche, ma ce ne sono molte altre, ognuna che cerca di ritagliarsi una nicchia in qualche attività specifica e di questo ne parleremo nelle prossime puntate. È stato veramente interessante condividere le opinioni che aveva Leonard sulla struttura dell'ecosistema delle criptovalute, su come fanno Hong Kong, un paese così avanzato, a condividere e eh, migliorare la conoscenza di questi temi e chi lo sa, magari anche in Italia potremo avere qualcosa di simile. Per, come al solito, commenti e opinioni potete scrivere a www.debitbet.eu sulla pagina Twitter Debitbet. Ma prima di finire volevo fare dei ringraziamenti. Il primo è a eh, Samuele Onelia, il responsabile del podcast Italian Indie, che ha recentemente pubblicato una piccola guida su eh, come fare podcast e ammetto che l'ho trovata estremamente, estremamente utile per una persona alle prime armi come me su come fare, registrare e svolgere questo tipo di attività. Vorrei ringraziare inoltre i ragazzi di Geek Cookies, un podcast 
estremamente, estremamente interessante di persone che parlano della loro esperienza di, uh, di makers, di esperti, di persone a cui piace pasticciare e giocare con la, con la tecnologia. Quindi ringrazio molto anche loro per i preziosissimi consigli e ringrazio anche il gruppo musicale Griver per aver consegnato lo stacchetto che ascoltate. Perciò vi saluto e alla prossima intervista. Ciao!